Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, The Big Show, the show with squeaky wiper blades going on in the background. So if you hear a strange every once in a while, that's because it's on interval wipers. We're in a mist. It's misting. You may have guessed we're in our vehicle. Play misty for me. <laughs> we should get, maybe get in a, a jazzy uh, opening for our show. What do you think? Go oh, for that's it. right. You don't want it. You okay. were sad last time I said no. I know. I, I, it's one of the few things I can actually use music that I write for. But Do it. Anyway, maybe an outro. That's it. An outro? An outro. Okay. Probably not on this episode because I don't have anything done right now. My gut tells me it's a good idea to not have it on this episode. Your gut tells you what? My gut tells me it's not a good idea to have it on this episode because we're talking about the gut. Well, I'd take some guts. Yeah. Okay. Inner now, fortitude. Let me explain how this works. There was once a role-playing game called Deadlands. I think there's still a role-playing game called Deadlands. I'm not sure. But they had areas that a person could get wounded. They had the upper guts, among the others, the arms, legs. You had the upper guts. You had the lower guts. And you had the gizzard, and you never ever wanted to get shot in the gizzard. That was a bad thing. The zombie cowboys didn't know much about internal anatomy, so they didn't realize that humans didn't have gizzards. A lot of humans don't know a whole lot about their guts either. Or their gizzards? They don't have one. So... Well, the game said... Yeah, the game said there were zombie cowboys, too. (laughs) Well, there are zombie cowboys. (laughs) Aren't there? I hope not. Okay. The reason that we're doing this episode is it's the first of a new series of our prepper med line. Because I teach things about how the human body works for a living. And it's some of this stuff is things that it would be useful for preppers to know. And it doesn't seem to be talked about a whole lot in a prepping world. So since this is an angle I have that maybe is not too terribly well covered, Salty had the brilliant idea that we should have a series on it. And I thought that was actually a good idea, so here we are. It was just a gut feeling I had. Yeah. And then we had to start with the guts, because if the guts ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That much is true. For those of us who have had intestinal distress... Man, it's not good. No. And it's the last thing you want to have to be dealing with. Okay, not the very last, but one of the things you definitely do not want to be dealing with if you're trying to deal with another kind of emergency situation. But it's also one that is extremely prone to pop up when people are trying to deal with emergency pop or situations. So it's very prepper relevant. So here's what you got. Big long tube running mouth to anus. You stick the big food molecules in the top. You uh, chop them up into much smaller chunks with the help of uh, some uh, lovely, horrible, green-looking digestive fluids produced by your liver and pancreas and dumped into the gut. Once you got them chopped up, you drag the parts you want across the gut wall and dump them into the blood. Send stuff on a little further. You've got a vibrant population of neighbors and tenants who are the microbes that live in your large intestine 
And for the most part, that's good. Uh, most of them do you no harm. A significant subset of them have various uh, useful functions to you. And only occasionally do you get a bad actor down there. So you got the microbes, and they live off the parts you didn't want, mostly. And then anything that's left over gets ejected out the other end. So that's the digestive tract mission in a nutshell. That's the guts. As far as pieces, uh, I wrote an article to accompany this, and it's got a little diagram, so if you're not familiar with where the pieces are and where they go, it'll help you out there. Uh, nothing much exciting happens in the mouth other than physical breakdown. Get stuff uh, mashed down small enough, you can swallow it. Mix it up with some nice slimy saliva, also mostly to make it easier to swallow. Runs through the esophagus that runs behind the heart and the lungs, just trying to get you through the chest to the abdomen where the real action's going to happen. And then you finally get to the stomach, the most overrated of your digestive organs. Because mostly it's a storage tank. It stores, it churns, it does a couple of other minor things, but not a whole lot. If you want to know what stuff looks like at this point, well, the last time you vomited, that's what you were tossing up on the floor, is probably came out of your stomach. Then, the warm-up band is done, and you pass the stuff on to the place where the action really happens, which is the small intestine. The liver sends you some bile, the pancreas sends you some pancreatic juice. Enzymes in there digest all your food. Lots of interesting little transport proteins I'm not going to tell you about along the edges. Pull all those nutrients out and uh, dump them in your bloodstream so you can have them. Then you get to the large intestine, which is much shorter than the small intestine. It's a diameter thing. That's where all the microbes hang out. They live off the fiber, which is carbohydrates you cannot digest. They add some vitamins in. They live their own potentially happy little microbe lives. And then you get rid of what's left. There it is. Well, poop. <laughs> kind of stinks, doesn't it? <sighs> you can thank the microbes for that part, too. Yeah. So, how does this relate to prepping? Two major ways. Disturbances due to your diet and stress levels. And infections. Both of which are way more common. I swear, I can hear my gut microbes screaming in dismay when I read the ingredient list of most of the common emergency food supply items. Yeah, we we need to do a, a series on those because some of them are thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening <laughs> me. They're, they are horrid. <laughs> they, they are, are horrid. horrid. They are horrid. Let me go. Go, 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 go. Yeah. It's such a poor food. We don't love it. <laughs> When you're reading on the net about prepper food, there's a lot of people on the line of, oh, it's calories, you'll eat whatever you can get. And you will. But frankly, most Americans are not terribly short of calories. And in the fairly short term, like weeks to months, sufficient calories isn't going to be the life-threatening problem. No. It's actually going to cause you a lot more distress in the short term if you don't have the, well fiber in that food not to put too fine a point on it it may sound totally pointless because it's the stuff we can't digest but that's the whole point yeah 
It keeps it's, stuff it's moving go. along the track. It's got to go. Got to have some bulk to keep stuff moving along. Now, I'm, this is where I'm going to stop and, and reaffirm what she is saying. <laughs> I have to really push the fiber in my diet. Yeah. I actually, I actually eat foods extra from my normal diet to push the fiber in my diet because I tend to um, need extra fiber. And we, the food he actually eats has some fiber in it, too. Oh, yeah. It's not like I'm not getting any fiber. It's just I need extra fiber. Frankly, most Americans don't get enough fiber to keep them in uh, best digestive health at any point. But when you start looking at what's in the emergency food supplies, there's very little in there. Because what is cheap and has a really long shelf life and is uh, easy to prepare using nothing more than boiling water? Pasta, rice, and dehydrated dairy products. None of which have good fiber levels. None of which have a lick of fiber in them. That's what They'll I mean throw in like... good fiber levels. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> which is, and the worst thing is, they could fix this. Yeah, so they could fix this by simply using whole grain pasta. Which works just as well, folks. But I actually like it better. Actually, I like the taste of it better, too. But the fiber, there's just a lot more fiber in it. Yeah. And the uh, rice, make it go to uh, brown rice. You can make uh, fast-cooked brown rice that's shelf-stable. We've got a bunch of it, so I know we can do it. But they don't. And so you got very little. After even a couple of days of trying to go on that stuff, or maybe your classic 72-hour emergency pack, you're going to be stopped up like a cork in a bottle. Now, I'm going to tell you a true story from the Civil War. As General Sherman's men were starting from the Nashville area, to their march to the sea, actually the, the first part was the march to Atlanta, he sent his troops out. He called them bummers. He sent out his bummers, and these bummers just cleaned out a huge swath of the country. They got ham, they got butter, they got cheeses, they got meat, fresh meat. Uh, drove cattle back that they could slaughter, drove hogs back. They were eating meat and cheese and, you know, all the rest of this stuff. But they didn't have a supply train behind them, which means their normal diet of things like um, uh, corn and uh, pilot bread bread or uh, hardtack is what the word I was looking for, hardtack, which at the time was made out of whole wheat, not... White flour. White flour. <clears throat> Excuse me. After a week or so of eating literally high on the hog, they were begging for hardtack because they couldn't go. They were clogged up because they didn't eat all this non-fibrous food. You know, they were used to their, their hardtack, their peas. You know, this is what they were used to, and they made a change. And a week later, even though they were getting the best food the country had to offer, literally, they were dying, literally, because they were, you know, they were getting impacted. Impaction is the most serious outcome. It's rare, but it can happen. But when you've got, you know, people of 
iffy health who've been, you know, yeah. been campaigning for years, and you get you know forty, fifty thousand of them. It may be rare, but that's a lot of people. They were often water limited too, and that makes it worse. And that would make it worse in a prepper situation as well. Right. That's now why people least... on a keto diet have got to push the fluids. One of the reasons. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons, but it's a big reason. Also, um, they at least were getting exercise. And if somebody's bugging in and eating in those emergency rations, they're not even moving. And moving also helps move things along the gut. So that is absolutely the most common kind of problem people going to run into. And even if you don't impact, which, of course, is rare, it tends to tear things up on the way out. And that's not cool. Not a comfortable thing. The flip side of that is digestive distress, and especially if you irritate those microbes that live down there, by feeding them an unusual diet, you start to get the usual guys dying off, and new guys who are not such nice neighbors moving in, you start to uh, get diarrhea in some cases. And diarrhea is a lot more threatening in the short term than constipation is. Diarrhea has all kinds of different names. It's I mean, but you read back throughout history, people talk about dysentery. That's what, you know, it's a form of this. It's bloody diarrhea. How many people have died of dysentery over the years? It's in, massive amounts. It in was the, the civ- biggest killer in, in the Civil War. It wasn't the bullets. It wasn't the bombs. It was dysentery from having uh, poor camp hygiene. Yep. Not filtering or boiling their water, drinking all kinds of water full of all kinds of who knows what kind of bugs, getting uh, gut infestations, the not kind of neighbors moving in. And uh, a lot of people died that way. Yeah. Dysentery is a big deal. If you ever played the game Oregon Trail, there's a good chance you have died (laughs) from dysentery many, many times. Because people on the Oregon Trail died of dysentery a lot. It was a trail, and they'd leave their waste, and the next people would come by and drink from the same water source without purifying it. Which is, by the way, exactly where I was planning to go next. That the biggest reason for diarrhea is absolutely bad water. And you absolutely positively in the survival situation can take no shortcuts when it comes to your water there the, is no drinking out of a puddle even if it's perfectly clear you have to filter or boil it i don't care if it's a rushing mountain stream you drink that through a filter too because it's got its own set of microbes in fact we have a we have a, a, a doctor in our area, who's lived with Giardia, complications from Giardia, since his 20s, and he's now in his 60s, because he took a drink out of a clear mountain stream in the Rockies and got a bad case of Giardia. Yep. I've drunk from those streams through my filtering water bottle. And one thing, a lot of the really worst bugs, like, for example, Giardia, which is one of the really worst ones because they're everywhere. and Small mammals carry it. You just don't. You just don't go any water source in North America that isn't straight from 100 to 500 feet down, and even then, um, has Giardia in it. But those water bottles, even the worst, cheapest ones of them, will stop Giardia and almost everything else. He means the filtering water bottles. Water bottles, yeah. The filtering ones, like the the life straws. Giardia are big, so even the cheap filters catch them. Any of those. But only if you use them. But only if you use them, that's right. If you don't use them, you're not going to catch them. 
a bloody thing. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Ew. You're going to catch the bloody <laughs> thing. They're not. The other place is uh, from for digestive problems is food poisoning. And even right now, one out of six Americans per year. Or one of, one of six, one of eight. I forget. I read it this morning. Uh, one of less than ten Americans per year gets food poisoning right now. Of course, they're usually mild cases that you feel some indigestion and you're over in a day or so. But some cases are way more serious than that, of course. Some you cases can, are fatal. They can send you to the house so, of pain. They can indeed. Oh, my gosh. I've had, a, I've had a couple of cases of it over the years that just were brutal. When you're sitting on the toity with your head in a bucket and it's, and it's coming out you every way it can come out except for maybe your ears and then maybe <laughs> it's only a maybe your ears because your ear bone is connected to your <laughs> <lip> bone. <laughs> yeah. Aren't I, isn't that scientific, right? Uh, it's right up there with the gizzard. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So the food problem is can be from toxins in the food. And let's be honest here. If you've lived in a place and your power's gone out and the refrigerator hasn't run for a while, have you not had that internal conversation with yourself of, well, it's probably still good? And if you have had that conversation, don't you think the answer to it relies in part on how hungry you are and how much food is in the house? The hungrier you get, the more likely it is in your estimation to be okay. Uh, And there's hygiene. Uh, hygiene with the water that you use to pair the food, the fact that when you have to work really hard to get water and work really hard to heat water and not just turn a tap, hygiene tends to go south quickly if you don't exert willpower over keeping after it. And so you get contamination of food from that source as well. Which is another reason why every prepper who plans to bug in really, 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 really needs to nail down the latrine thing. That's going to be a big deal. Because, and then you have to be just as careful because you're at the mercy of how careful your neighbors are if you live around some other people. Yeah, less so if you're careful about your water, but still. Yeah. So, those are all reasons why they are prepper problems. And in there, you can see a lot of the potential solutions. When you're put laying in your emergency food supplies, keep an eye on keeping it in composition somewhat similar to your normal diet so you don't make your tenants unhappy. Make sure it's got some fiber in it so you don't stop entirely up. Have good ways... To get water clean easily. Multiple so you'll use them. good ways. Yeah. Easy ways. A lot of people actually don't drink a whole lot of water, and they don't tend to drink enough if they don't have nice flavorings in their water. So watch that, too. You will you will be drinking more water because you won't be drinking a lot of the stuff that a lot of people drink now. You're not going to Starbucks in the morning, you know? Well... And another thing to, to, to keep in mind is on the, now we're not going to get very much on the medical end of things, but uh, one of the first things I'd sure have in my, we do have it, are plenty of anti-diarrheals. Yeah. Because diarrhea gives you dehydration, and dehydration will sap the energy right out of you, make you feel terrible, you'll be listless, and you'll be much less Capable. likely to get Take care of yourself and your and your peeps the right way. Also, 
it causes ion imbalances, and those can actually kill you. I actually, in the written form of this one, I linked uh, back to an old article I did on diarrhea to give people some uh, more concrete researched ideas on what to do about it. But you maintain your hygiene. You keep in mind that the calories you might get from iffy food may not be worth the risk if it's gone bad on you. I mean, I'm not one of those people who throws food out as soon as it hits its expiration date. I think a little more carefully about what's likely to actually be a risk and what's not. But then I don't eat it if I think there's actually a risk. But yeah, a part of that, though, is when we when we stock our foods, we're very careful to stock foods that, you know, even if they are a little over their X date, are not the kind of things that will go bad and if they do you can tell for example you will have canned foods and you can tell if a can of food has gone bad on you it's not any product such a swell it'll rust um you know ooze fluids from the can that's right out if If it it has a strange color when you open it if it doesn't do any of the first parts though you're generally going to be okay unless it's a high acid food just don't really go too far when it it looks strange when you open it oh yeah or smells strange that's usually the older high acid foods though. Yeah. They do that. So those are things to keep in mind. And rotate. Um you might think about some uh, preps that are fermented foods because if they're fermented and they've still got the live cultures in them, they're a good way to repopulate your gut with human friendly neighbors after they've been depleted by a bout of diarrhea, by a course of antibiotics, something like that. It can be a quick way to get yourself back on track. Uh, this is not a. Um, this is not a, uh, a really a prepping thing, but for non-prepping purposes, I use if I have had some intestinal distress, I'll generally uh, eat some yogurt. Live culture yogurt. Live culture yogurt, and even even the frozen ice cream type live culture yogurt works as long as it's live culture. That's the key to the to the whole deal. And what a great excuse to eat some frozen yogurt with chocolate in it. Yeah. You got room my way. There's a car coming now. I also have a police officer sitting over there, so I'm not going to take any funny moves. This being one of the most dangerous intersections in the state, we're going to be conservative about it anyway. it is the most dangerous intersection. The single, woohoo, we The single most dangerous intersection in the state of Missouri we just passed. You have to really watch that. It's the most. The thing is, it's only ten years old, and it is the single most poorly engineered intersection. I think it's just impossible to imagine what they could have been thinking when they designed that thing. They probably had a case of the trots, and they were dehydrated, and they weren't thinking clearly. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Don't let that be you. After all, we need all the good intersections we can get. There you go. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, hey, share it with your friends. Share it with your neighbors. Share it with your... Uh, no, okay, don't share it with your mother-in-law because, you know, it's your mother-in-law. But anyway... Hey. 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 <laughs> Rate it. Rate it. Rate it good if e? you like it. Yeah, give, us a, give us a review on Stitcher or iTunes or whichever radar you're using google or whatever give it just give us five stars and we'll call it good okay but share it thumbs up if if you have a thumbs up thingy give us a thumbs up we really appreciate it and we'll talk to you the next time